Welcome to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Tucson has a new poet laureate. T.C. Tolbert is the first trans queer poet laureate in United States history. In honor of this occasion, Blackfeet tribal member and writer Bill Wetzel convened this panel entitled Ideas for Change, a conversation with Tucson Poet Laureate T.C. Tolbert in April 2017. The conversation was moderated by Casa Libre founder and executive director and poet Kristen E. Nelson at Revolutionary Grounds Books and Coffee and hosted by Blackfeet tribal member and writer Bill Wetzel. Today on 30 Minutes, we continue with part two of an intimate discussion between Kristen Nelson and Tucson Poet Laureate T.C. Tolbert. I want to know what conversations that you have had in exclusively male groups, male quotation, 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 that you would not have been privy to it as a more feminine presenting person. Um, yeah. Have there been conversations? I think about where this question came from is I think about lines to a gendered woman's room. Yeah, and I yeah. think about the conversations that female-bodied folks have in that space, the, the sort of camaraderie that can happen in that space. And so I'm, I'm, as someone who has never been in a space that is considered exclusively male-presenting, I'm wondering, like, are there conversations that you've been privy to in those spaces? Yeah, I mean... Um, or are they too secret? Well, they're, that's right. I can't... <laughs> no, they're, well, they're so secret that we keep them from each other. That's the thing. Like, that's, the, that's what I'm saying. It's like, the, the loneliness is so intense. And they're, not that there's not, like, joking around, hey, how's it going, whatever. It's not that there's, like, a total silence, although in lots of restrooms there are. And I do miss the restroom, like, oh my God, did you see that? You know, like whatever, just chat. I'm also, like I said, from the South, so we're pretty chatty. So I bring sort of the double desire for chat. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but the, the men's spaces that I've inhabited from, you know, a lot, I mean, the EMT world is very, is male dominated, mm -hmm. certainly not exclusively male, but very male dominated. A lot of the wilderness spaces are, are pretty male dominated. Um, and then just like bathrooms and locker rooms and shit like that. And yeah, I mean, I find there to be just a, a real, uh, certainly I've seen and experienced some, some sort of uh, blatant sexism and um, misogyny, but honestly, it's so sort of cliche that it's like not even worth talking about. Mm -hmm. The thing that feels much more complex to me and, and I guess interesting in like what I'd be interested in pulling apart is how guys sort of enact those things subtly, you know, mm -hmm. and without, without explicit conversation. Mm -hmm. I mean, the bathroom feels like a really classic place where it's just like, you can't talk to another dude and you certainly can't be friendly or just sort of strike up a casual conversation because it's like, well, you're hitting on, you're clearly hitting on them and that's a contentious moment. It couldn't be a moment of pride, 
right? Like, <laughs> or just a moment of like, oh, we're just chatting, like, or whatever, you know? Human connectivity. Yeah, anything. So that is still very strange to me. And I even, I really experienced it a lot. Like, so I go to class with these guys and then we go to the bathroom at the same time. And it's like, we walk into the door and suddenly we can't talk to each other. It's so bizarre. I'm like, you got, we were just, we we're just chatting right outside, you know, like right next to each other. No, just like straight ahead, just like doing my thing. And I've tried to break that down and it's, I really get like monosyllabic answers from dudes I'm totally hanging out with. Like these are not strangers, you know, like, um, so it's that kind of stuff where I'm like, I'm not making this up. Like this, this is happening, but there's no way to really talk about it. It's a lot of silence. It's a, it's, it's, it truly makes me sad. It's not a, yeah. uh, I think there was a time when I felt a little more like angry about it or, um, sort of cynical or wanted to sort of jab at like men are stupid for doing that. And now I'm just like, Oh God, what we sort of enforce on masculinity, what we expect of it, what we, what, yeah, what we, the ways that we police masculinity, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's, it's, it's devastating, I think. It's really devastating. I think you already answered my next question, but I'm just going to say it out loud. I also just got a little distracted by Sia. Did you hear yes. I just wanted to, like, <laughs> grab something. Chandelier, totally. ear, 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 ear. So this is a question, but you may have already answered it, so you'd be like, skip. How you've been affected by toxic ma masculinity over the course of your life? Done. Done. Okay. So that's not true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think we're all affected by it. I don't think I'm. So, I don't think I'm unique in being affected by it. No, but you're really good at talking about it. Thank you. <laughs> um, so masculine. I mean, I think the biggest way that I'm impacted by it, and I, I suspect that all of us are impacted by it, is that toxic masculinity only allows people to be a certain part of themselves. Like that's, that's the impact, right? It's like, you only get to be part of who you are. And that's up, like for anybody. And so, so that's, that's the thing I would add. Thank you. So we're going to shift a little bit. I want you to talk a little bit about your Dear Melissa poems. One of TC's uh, newer projects that he's been working on are a series of poems called Dear Melissa. And I was asking him to speak to that project and those poems and tell us more about it. Did you bring one by any chance to share? Yeah, I brought my laptop. So I brought all of them. Okay. <laughs> I'm hope, would, would you want to start I'm by I'm not reading all of them. Do you want to start by sharing one so that there's some context in case folks we can just talk about them in the abstract, don't you No. <laughs> don't you want to hear a poem? Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thanks a lot, y'all. <laughs> I'll talk about the context while I'm pulling it up. So Melissa is my birth name, and some trans folks refer to the name that they were given by the people who cared for them at a young age as their dead name, and which I think is totally awesome and, and important to, to name. I, I still refer to Melissa as my birth name. When I changed my name to TC, it felt really important for me to keep my name Melissa. So that's my middle name now, Melissa Dawn to be exact. And um, that was a big moment for me because I was always, you know, sort of, uh, I, I always identified actually as a dyke, 
um, and that felt really comfortable for me. It still feels actually really comfortable for me. And, w and when I started testosterone, my intention and my, my hope was, was not, I never felt trapped in the wrong body. Some folks do. That's not my experience. So I don't want to act like that's my experience. And I don't want to act like there's a universal trans narrative, which I think can be pretty damaging for, again, in the same way that toxic masculinity is damaging universal narratives of any sort. So I've, you know, not had any surgeries. I'm, I'm on testosterone. And when I transitioned, it felt very much like Melissa's who got me to TC. Like I couldn't be TC without Melissa. And, but that didn't mean I wanted to hang out as Melissa for the rest of my life. It was just like, she was awesome. Thanks girl. And so, um, high five, like handoff kind of. That said, I certainly spent, I would say a lot of time not foregrounding her or that history. And I, you know, in retrospect, I can sort of look back and sort of see ways that that might be my own or whatever, but also just needing to get situated in this body and this self. Anyway, back to the accident, which was when I was right laying around <laughs> and suddenly really in my body again. And I started to gain weight, which is neither here nor there, except for that suddenly my breasts were huge. We always joke about, because I'm always like, my breasts are so big. I'm like, yeah, sister, it's like twins. <laughs> Many conversations. Bless you. So for a long time, I wore a compression shirt and then stopped because it was just starting to hurt and stuff like that. And then I started to gain this weight. And so I went from being able to pass as a flat chested person to suddenly really having breasts. And I know they're not huge, but they feel huge and they are still visible. I honor your <laughs> And my hips also suddenly went from like structurally sort of childbearing to now they have the padding <laughs> that goes along with that <laughs> ability. So my body, which through the course of transition became my dad's face and body and I can literally see that now the rest of me is so clearly my mom's body I mean I like look in the mirror and I'm like hey Darlene like what is happening you know um, so that's been this on top of the accident stuff this other sort of gender thing that that came up so in in lying about the yard and the house I was thinking I wonder what Melissa thinks about all this. You know, like I want to pick up that like 17 year old girl and that like 21 year old girl who got married to a man in a big Catholic wedding, um, <laughs> you know, and like bring them here and be like, what do you think? Like, you, you did it? Like, did we do all right? You know, like, um, and so I just started writing these letters to her. Um, that's the backstory. Ooh, that was long. Can I give you just a touch more backstory for this particular one called Dear Melissa, as they are called? Sure. My mom, who I'm very close with now, but when I first, uh, through several iterations of coming out as queer and then coming out as trans and then starting testosterone, she's struggled with it a lot. And at one point when I started testosterone, threatened to kill herself. So it was hard, like we had some hard times. And then I 
I'd say like three or four years after that, she came to visit me here in Tucson and she was chill, like she was cool. We were hanging out and I was like, mom, what happened? And she said, you know, all of your life, I prayed for God to change you. And I was like, mm, this isn't going well. <laughs> and, and she was like, but I realized I was praying the wrong prayer. And what I need to be praying is for God to change me because you're fine, you know. I know, right? Go D. And so our relationship is complex and ever evolving. This poem is sort of dealing with that and this statement that she said to me when we were, when I was a kid, which is she said, I wish you'd never been born. And, and that was sort of a, a, a thing that she would say when, we, when things were hard. Dear Melissa, I wish you, my mother once told me, mother of my childhood, even though water is water weary, what is prayer if not quiet who has made me? What hands you become when you touch? Who laid down on whose body? whose face and whose shoulders worth shaking. What will I not hear when I look back at you? Who is not the mother of a daughter? Who is not the mother of a man? We are right to be afraid of our bodies. Wind is carried by what is upright and still moves what has had been buried deep enough in the ground to be called roots. When will this be the world where you stop? Whatever broke into you was torn by the contact. A face wears a face it can see. What is alive is unrecognizable. Need it be? Who is my mother, mother? No one. Who hasn't killed herself by growing into someone? I'm sorry you have never been born. If you guys had some trouble hearing that because of the engines, there's actually another Dear Melissa poem on the University of Arizona Poetry Center blog if you'd like to read some more. And on the Tucson Weekly blog, or their online version too. I did not know that. Yeah. And on the Tucson Weekly. You are listening to Ideas for Change, a conversation with Tucson Poet Laureate T.C. Tolbert, moderated by Kristen Nelson on 30 Minutes, 91.3 KXCI Tucson. TC has been sober for a number of years. How many years? 15. 15 years. I have his permission to ask about sobriety and these questions, just so you know. So my question for you is, what are some alternatives to evenings spent getting high, getting drunk, and watching Netflix? <laughs> I don't have to give that question context. Apparently there's some experience in the crowd. <laughs> well, there's always sugar and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Cigarettes. But we still get to keep Netflix. Yeah, and you still get to keep Netflix. I mean, there's all sorts of replacement addictions out there. Come on! Sugar and coffee are why we're here. Yeah, right. Thank you. (laughs) I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I don't use illegal substances anymore, and I I don't drink anymore, but it's kind of hard to sometimes say that I'm sober because... 
I think it's fair to say that sometimes I'm very much a dry addict, right? Like, mm -hmm. Well, how would you define sober? Is it okay for me to interrupt you? Yeah, yeah. Me? I mean, I think sobriety has something to do with one's ability to sit in the desire or in the want and to not fill it in. And it doesn't mean that we don't fill things in all the time, but I know, hell, I did it right before this started. I needed to have dinner. I got here. I looked at the crowd and I was like, I'm nervous. I'll take a chocolate cupcake, please. <laughs> like, and that was my dinner. Is that the worst thing I could do? Of course not. Like, it's fine. It's totally fine. And was I able to deal with my feelings in that moment? Not entirely. Like, you know, like I was, I was, I could have done a number of other things to sort of be like, you're feeling anxious, right? Like, and just sort of been with what I was feeling. And instead I was like, I actually just don't want to feel this. And chocolate cupcake is going to be the trick right now. Like, and it worked. <laughs> and like, yeah, I am proud of the fact that I, proud is like a weird word. Uh, Pleased. I'm thankful <laughs> that I don't use other substances. Because yeah. I'm not good with them. <laughs> like we don't we don't go well together you know yeah. even when i think that we do you know like it's so funny i went through this so when the accident happened i had never been a coffee drinker and i suddenly was like i need energy i'm laying around first i was like chocolate covered espresso beans everything's chill everything's fine and then i was like oh my god and just in the last couple of months i've been like i will find myself going to bed and thinking about tomorrow I get to drink coffee. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. And it's like, just about every night. I know, it's like, but it's a feeling that I don't, I, I don't want to have that feeling, but it's, it's more than I don't want to have that feeling. It's like, I'm somehow like acting out of a, uh, I'm just not listening to myself, you know? Like yeah. I'm not letting myself hear something that seems really important. And I, and there's a part of me that's just like downright stubborn where it's like, God damn it, like you've dealt with your sexual abuse from childhood. You've dealt with transition. You've dealt with all these things. Like you cannot drink coffee, you know? Like you can feel your anxiety, shut up. You know, and I just get like mad, you know? So anyway, that's all to say I haven't had coffee in over a week. <laughs> I feel very proud. <laughs> Oh, I don't need an applause. As I'm your friend saying. who had coffee about 30 <laughs> minutes ago, right when we started, or however, like, I don't know. Well, and I want to just add, like, I mean, some people can have, right? Like, some people can do all of that, and they're not sort of, like, wrapped up in that, like, I'm not feeling the feelings thing, right? Or, like, some people know how to, like, not feel their feelings sometimes, but feel their feelings other times. Like, awesome. I'm I'm truly psyched for you. <laughs> like, a little jealous, and, like, truly psyched for you. And I know for myself, like, I, uh, I have that, I don't know, that brain, that something, you know, that is, it just goes there, right? Like, like really goes there. And just because I'm not using other substances doesn't mean I'm not, yeah, you know? totally. And I'm all for joy. Oh, yeah. That's all I have to say. <laughs> all for joy. 
I think I want to end by trying to repeat what you said, but I'm going to mash it up. When you said that sitting with the silence, like sitting with your feelings, sitting with your... That was probably the most apt description of sobriety that I've ever heard. Mm. So nice work. Mm, Good job. Um, so let's open it up. Does anybody have questions? Yeah. To, not to be indelicate, but how old are you now? Just for the context of how long you walked it around in your female body versus your post-transition life. Yeah, that's not indelicate. I, yeah, thank you. I'm 42 now, and I started testosterone when I was 31. Yeah. And part two, can you talk about your plans as poet laureate for <laughs> youth poetry programming, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I have lots of dreams, and we'll see which ones can we can make happen. But one thing that I'm really interested in is getting trans poetry and trans voices, in particular youth, in bathrooms. And I don't mean putting trans people at risk <laughs> by like hanging out in bathrooms and being visible, um, but I do mean like sound loops and like poetry installations because I think trans people are, we're in bathrooms, right? Like, but I want our voices in it and, and a way of sort of experiencing our like most powerful, beautiful selves just in the sphere, you know, like in this really contested area. So that's the thing I'm interested in. I'm also really interested in working in particular with like schools or youth programs. I've done this a lot with Made for Flight, which was a kite project that I did for five years and Ben has picked up since then. Ben, you're amazing, thank you. Which commemorated uh, trans people who had been murdered in the previous year. So we would make kites in honor of them and display those at Dia de los Muertos. So working with, with similar groups, um, GSAs, things like that, and going to blood mobiles, like places where folks are donating blood. Because I think a lot of times we talk about the arts as life-giving, mm. but I feel like we often still, like poets in particular, sometimes expect people to just come to us. Like, don't you want to come hear my poetry? <laughs> and it's like, no, we got to go to people. And so I would like to have readings at Bloodmobiles and places like that so that poets can give a little blood <laughs> and give a little life. And also we could actually take poetry to people just where they are, doing the good things that they do. Because um, I think people live poetry all the time. So I'd like to sort of move it out in that way. You know. What's your relationship with the Poetry Center? Uh, I teach for them. And so, and I, you know, I know a lot of the folks there really well, but yeah, I teach at the writers in the schools. And so I teach, most recently I taught uh, sixth graders. And then last year I taught fourth and fifth graders. The Poetry Center has a Writers in the Schools program, and that's what I was doing. Anybody else? Yeah, can we talk about um, Made for Flight? I saw, I didn't realize there was a connection, but um, yeah. when I was observing, I'm a pre-service teacher, art ed teacher. When yeah. I was observing at um, City High, I oh, saw nice. that, and I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I was wondering if you could speak more about like what schools you've worked at and kind of the process of getting, like putting the two together, you know what I mean? Yeah. So when I moved here in 2003, I immediately started volunteering at Wingspan and Eon. And then in 2005, I started working there as a youth outreach specialist. And so through that, I worked with something like 30 different GSAs across Tucson. So I was really lucky in that like, I just got to work with a lot of rad young queer folks. And also at the same time was you know, writing poetry, doing that sort of thing. 
And then I was going once a year, there's a Trans Day of Remembrance, November 20th. The first one I went to was here in Tucson and there were about 10 of us trans people standing around in a dark corner, holding hands and feeling really sad. Appropriately, lots of trans people are murdered every year. Each year I would keep going back to these vigils and look around and be like, where are all the cis people, right? Like as trans people, we just keep coming back and feeling sort of re-traumatized by this. Like, where is everybody? And so through that, I thought, well, I can go and get them. <laughs> I sometimes have a big ego. <laughs> and so I was like, I'll go get them. <laughs> so, but I was like, how do I want to commemorate, like, how do I want to sort of shift some of this dynamic? I thought we can make, I can go into schools, make kites with them, and then write poems. And in the kites, I noticed at these vigils, we were just always looking down. And I'm like, trans people are beautiful. I don't know of anyone more beautiful than every trans person I meet. Like I, I meet a trans person, I'm just like, God, I love you so much. Like, and I'm just like, can we please like just uplift trans folks? Like, can we please do that? And especially these folks who've been murdered because I feel like the, the way that they're remembered is for the most gruesome thing that ever happened to them. And they lived really full, complex lives, just like everybody, you know? So, so I just wanted some sort of like act in which like there was some kind of transcendence, you know? And so the kites and then the poems, and it just worked like city high. I mean, so I ended up working with probably I think 15 different schools, 10 or 15 different schools across town. I've taken it to New York, to Pennsylvania, like several other states have been interested. But what's interesting about Tucson is because we have that this particular procession, the kites work kind of perfectly here because there's a sort of community place to bring that morning together and that uplifting moment. Whereas, you know, for other programs where I've brought it, they might display the kites and, and things like that, but they're a little bit out of context, right? They're just sort of these kites, you know? So I, I find this, this is really a great place for it. And like I said, Ben has carried that on and thank you, Ben, for continuing to do that. Cause it's amazing. Thank yeah. You. Let's get a round of applause for you. much Bill for having us. Well, I appreciate you all coming. It, it was really an awesome educational night. I always feel that uh, the three of us have done a lot of work together over the years and I always feel when we get together for an event that it, it, every single time it ends up being something special. It, it really, you can feel it and I could feel how attentive, attentive the crowd was and everything. It was really great. I, I appreciate it. I think Revolutionary Grounds and Paul and Joy. And just on a personal note, these two are two of my favorite people in the world. They're two of the most intelligent, talented, loving, caring people. You ever need a hug, come to these two. It's just really, really amazing to, to have you both here today. And, and, and uh, thank you for this. Thank you, Thanks, Bill. And thank you all for coming and have a good night. You've been listening to the second half of a discussion entitled Ideas for Change. Conversation with Tucson Poet Laureate T.C. Tolbert. In April 2017, Blackfeet tribal member and writer Bill Wetzel convened this panel to highlight Tucson's new Poet Laureate. 
T.C. Tolbert is the first trans queer poet laureate in United States history. The conversation was moderated by Casa Libre founder and executive director and poet Kristen E. Nelson at Revolutionary Grounds Books and Coffee. This has been part two of a two-part series. Thank you for listening to 30 Minutes on 91.3 KXCI Tucson. I'm Amanda Schager. Thank you.